Welcome to Noah Kagan Presents. What up, everyone? It's your boy, Bike Pedal, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's case study, I've got one of my good friends, Brian Dean from Backlinko.com. I've got a total man boner for this guy. He is insanely impressive with SEO, search engine optimization, also known as getting your shit listed for free in Google. And there's so much actionable content and tips in this episode. One specific one I implemented myself and I've seen really impressive results. Some of the other things that we cover are what is your work procrastination and what does it say about you? How he made $100,000 from a 2,000 person mailing list. So it's not the size that matters, guys. It's the quality. And he'll show you how. And one other thing is, why does Brian spend $10,000 a year for online courses? So if you ever want to sell a course, just go hit up Brian. He's easy money. Guys, we have that and a ton more in this actionable case study. Enjoy. I like how you're figuring it out before you start. Most people would just be like, well, I need to figure this out and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, as you go figuring it out. Well, I think what I've noticed with marketing specifically is everyone struggles with the number one problem of like, I can't find customers. And so it's easy to find Mm. customers if you're very specific. Mm. And it was actually something I wrote. So I wrote a question for you. I have three questions with Brian Dean today. Uh, The the first question actually, it ties to what I'm struggling with, which with my show with Noah Kagan Mm. Presents, because I'm it's like business stuff and I'm doing book reports. I'm doing case studies. I'm doing Mm. interviews. I'm doing like challenges. Um, so you, you know, with, with Backlinko, you only write about SEO and marketing. You only do one post a month. You're super niche about it, right? Like you're, you target a very specific group. Like, how do you not get bored? Like, how do you stay stimulated to to keep doing it? That's one thing I was like, I was just curious about. Well, to be honest, recently, I wouldn't say I got bored, but I wasn't as into it. Cause I feel like I kind of covered basically everything there is in SEO in terms of topics. Like within those topics, there's a world of topics, but I got kind of like, I feel like there weren't so many topics in SEO for me to cover. And that's why I started getting into YouTube SEO and, you, and just video marketing in general, because there's so much there. In terms of market, it's still marketing though. But I think the key is just like, I have, I have interests outside of marketing, that, but it's not part of my business. Like my business is SEO and then I have other stuff going on. I do understand that. So what do you do with the outside stuff? You just kind of do it as a hobby and... Yeah. Know? I don't try to... T- never the twin shall meet kind of thing uh, no one wants to hear about what i eat and you know how i sleep and shit like that i mean is that something that you're interested in <laughs> yeah i'm super interested in health so but like how come you haven't i always think people should like go explore the businesses that they're interested in what's your what's your take probably i mean i but i'm not that interested in it i also like seo and i'm good at it so i figure that's and it's working so You've heard that whole argument, right? Where you like, you'll start enjoying the things you become a master of. So even if it's not like as fun for you, as you become more mastering, you actually end up enjoying it more. I never heard that, but it's probably true. <laughs> it doesn't hurt that people email, you know, email you say, Oh, I love your blog. I love you're so smart. You're so great. It doesn't make you want to quit. I mean, how did you choose SEO as the main thing to target, right? Instead of doing like, you know, email marketing, which, you know, I'm known for, or having, you know, huge cock, which I'm not known for. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, basically because I was doing it to make affiliate revenue. So my whole goal in life was to make three K a month from affiliate sites. Cause I read the four hour work week and I was like, I'm totally going to do that. That's going to be my life. And when I read online, how do you make, basically make three K a month? Everyone's like SEO, you need to rank in Google. You need to do black SEO. So from doing that, I learned what to do and what not to do. 
And then from there, I launched Backlinko, which is basically all the stuff that I learned. Were there other things you decide, you debated doing instead of like a blog on SEO? No. Oh, did you? I saw that, so that was the best opportunity. I already had other affiliate sites that were making money. But then that's when I was like, I'm doing this, I'm doing well. And how do I do better? And I couldn't find anything. That's where I realized the opportunity was. I'm like, there must be other guys like me who are doing well with White Hat SEO, but they're reading blogs and everything's just like write great content. So that's when you, I was like, saw the opportunity. How did you decide there's an opportunity in writing content? Because you weren't, you also didn't make money from it right away. Like, how'd you decide, like, why not just keep doing the affiliate site instead of creating kind of like a content info business site? Well, the affiliate stuff was super reliant on Google. Ironically, I wanted to get less reliant on SEO because literally my best affiliate site was like 98% of its traffic was from Google. So it was like one day that could go to zero. So I wanted to create a brand that wasn't reliant on Google. That even if I didn't rank for some reason, I could still have visitors, still get subscribers and still have a business. How'd you know you're going to make money with it? It didn't seem like you I charged didn't. right away. No, I didn't. I didn't charge till later on. I didn't. I just figured I would have bought a course. Like I just, it's probably not the best. It's just a one person, but I was like, I would buy a course that taught me link building stuff. So I assume there's other people out there too. I mean, how long from when you started till you actually made money? Probably. I mean, I, I launched a course in the first couple of months, but it didn't make that much money. I didn't start making real money, like anything to even pay for the the block, like where I went into the block until nine months in. Oh, and so until nine months, you didn't make any money? No. I, I mean, were you making money with affiliates so you felt yeah. more comfortable about it? Exactly. And then how much money? Did, well, don't say the first amount. What was the first thing you did to actually make money? I launched my course, my flagship course, SEO That Works. And it, like, how did that, like it do versus you thought it was going to do in your first time? I did so much better than I thought it would do. So my first time I launched, I had no idea what to expect. I just put it out there. I had a list of maybe like... I don't know, maybe like 2000 people, maybe less. And it did like a hundred thousand during the launch. A hundred thousand. I mean, yeah. how much were you thinking it was going to do? Maybe like 15, especially after the first couple of days. Cause I didn't know during a launch that like you make all your money at the end. So after day three and four, I was so dejected. I had like no sales. I wasn't making any money. I was so sad. I was literally sad. It wasn't even like disappointment. It was a legit depression. And then the last, last day I went to bed and I woke up and there were like tons of sales that came in. I couldn't believe it. How did you keep going during the nine months that you weren't making any money before you even did this launch? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think that much. I think I just did it. I was just like, I should do that. Because I knew that to build a business online or to build a blog, you need to have, you need to rank, you need to have good content and you need to have an email list. So I just really focused on those things. Good and content. I had my notes to the grindstone so much. I didn't even like think about it, honestly. It, it's, it's interesting. I was talking about this guy, Jesse Itzler uh, last week. And he's like, the problem with people is when they start thinking. Right. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, when you start thinking about something, you'll stop. And it's not bad. I think a lot of times I could get more leverage out of thinking more, but there's other times where I think my advantage is like, I'll just do it. So I like that you just kind of were like, I'm going to, you were hedging, right? I think a lot of people in their businesses are like, my business sucks because of this, which yours was because Google could change any minute on you. And you're like, well, how can I hedge or like solve that, which was Backlinko. And then you launch, how'd you figure out even, did you fall, copy someone's launch sequence? Like Derek yep. Halpern or? Yep, exactly. I copied his launch sequence before he had a course on launches. Then once he did that, I bought that and used it. And of course it's a lot better because it gives you some insights versus copying. So how did you, he didn't have a sequence at that point, did he? For launching? He did. Yeah. Oh, and then did you just like copy his emails and then just use your own word or like the... I, I copied his sequence, not the actual email. So if the second day he had FAQ email, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do an FAQ email. And then the third day, if you had case studies, I would do case studies. 
You know what I mean? I would just do whatever, like kind of the thing on that day. And then I would write it in my own words, but it was a hundred percent copy job in that sense. With the launch, so the last day, what was your last day thing? Like, hey, it's ending kind of thing? Exactly. That's all it was. One email that said it ends tonight because Derek did that. And I sent it out and then I woke up the next day and it was like 75% of the sales came in that last 12 hours or whatever it was. So what's the takeaway for you in, in all your launches since then? Is it like everything matters in the last day and you shorten your sequence to when you promote something? Yeah, I think I've got so many takeaways because now I've done eight and the last one did almost a million. And that was the one where I really was like testing a lot of stuff that I didn't have assumptions for. And one of them was really, yeah, shorten the launch and simplify it. Like a lot of people do crazy stuff with their launches. They think like the more complicated it is, the better it's going to do. So they have like a webinar on the first day, a webinar on the middle day, a webinar on the last day, a bonus on this day and this closing and this opening. And the last launch I did was the simplest one I ever did. And it was just, it was six emails, five days, just like it's open some more information about the course and then we're closing. That's it. And it was the best one yet. Like the more things I took away, the better it did. I think that's kind of your general MO. Mm-hmm. Like you do one article a month. You don't really have a lot of things going on. Like you only have one girlfriend. I mean, you're just generally like a very simple guy. <laughs> and only one boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Ryan. <laughs> um, I wouldn't cheat on you. No, I know, baby. So that's interesting on that. I guess one thing I was wondering with this is, is that like, there's all these people that are going to listen. There's probably millions Billions of people, but, and then everyone will listen and be like, well, he only had a 2000 person mailing list. He made six figures. I can do that too. And sometimes I'm like, no, you can't. (laughs) And then sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, everyone can. So like, what's your thought around that? I agree with you. It's like both. (laughs) It depends. I mean, it's like, I mean, what we're talking about at some level is a business, right? So the thing I had in my favor was I had a small list, but the product market fit was perfect. Like the people that found me straight away were exactly my target audience. These are people that are already doing well with SEO and want to do better. And since then, it's always been my target audience. So when I sold a course to them and they weren't like, wow, this $500, I can't afford that. You know what I mean? They were like, this is perfect. So for me, that, that audience was the perfect fit. So it depends on who's on your list, obviously, more than anything. So that's a really interesting point. Like if you have a bunch of like coupon people, maybe like a coupon course, like it has to be $15 to probably make it appealing. But you had people that had businesses or who, who were the customers? Who were those people? In the, in the beginning, there was like half affiliate marketers and half SEO agencies. And now it's more like like maybe like a third SEO agency is a third e-commerce and then a mix of like bloggers and SaaS companies and, and that stuff. Let's say we were going to start one today, like from scratch again, like, and we not nothing to do with SEO. Like what's an idea and like, what would you do? I don't know. I'm trying to think like just for start someone what? listening, like it's kind of a similar type of model, like uh, create content, create an email list, sell a digital product, which you do. Seriously. I get emails like that. I don't know if it's daily, <laughs> but almost. Uh, I think one of my advantages I had and what everyone has is that you know about something. I hope if not, learn. <laughs> you should, you should, like you should know about, if you don't know about anything and you're trying to sell an info product, it's like you're selling information. And if you don't have any information to provide, then it's going to be a tough sell. For me, I had years of SEO experience, most of it doing the wrong stuff. So I struggled for a long time, but I at least knew what not to do, which is actually a huge advantage because then what's left is what you do. So in the course, and in my, on my blog that attracted people to sign up for the newsletter, it was new stuff. And it was stuff that I had actually used. So I had tons of case studies and examples in a world of SEO where most people were just repeating the same stuff and regurgitating information. So I think if you can have something new to bring to the table, it doesn't even have to be new content, but a new perspective or 
if you're a personality, that can also work in some cases, but I didn't go that route. You know, I think that can help, but you got to figure out what that thing is and then find people that are willing to uh, buy something from you related to that. How did you know people were going to pay? I guess that's what I was thinking for people listening. It's like, well, how do I know that there's going to be a fit that eventually nine months later that I believe that they'll give me money? I didn't really know. I mean, you never know for sure. And even if someone would buy, like say, I think I saw other courses online that gave me some confidence, but that doesn't mean anyone's going to buy from me. It's two totally different things, but it gave me some confidence seeing some people bought courses. And like I said, I thought that I would buy a course. If someone was like, here, here's a bunch of cool SEO strategies that no one's talking about. You just have to buy this course. I would totally buy it. And based on that kind of focus group of one, it gave me the confidence that other people would too. Okay. That's cool. So you knew that you would buy it. If you had to start one today, what would you start? Yeah, I think I would start something totally... I'd never be in the marketing space because I I love it, but I've just done it already. So I I would definitely do something in the health space, probably like paleo diet related. I don't think people know you have a master's in... Is it nutrition? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Most people just think like, oh, he's a blogger and he made money doing random shit. How do you stay interested? So you said you kind of got bored of it. Like, how do you keep going? Is it just like, this is my business, this is what I have to do? Or is it like, let me figure a way to like... Like, how did you move to the YouTube SEO thing? Well, it's just like, what do you do? Like what I realized what I was doing when I was procrastinating was like looking at my YouTube stats, uh, you know, cause I, not procrastination in the sense of like looking at Facebook, like what was I doing for work procrastination, which is a lot of people they check email mm. or whatever. I was checking my YouTube stats, even though I had like nothing on my YouTube channel. And I was watching YouTube videos about YouTube SEO. Cause I was like, Oh, I should learn about this because videos the future. And I realized I kept going to that. So that was a sign that maybe I should start learning more about that and doing more stuff with that. And, uh, and once I did that enough times, I was like, okay, this is what I got to do. How has that affected your, your stimulation? It's been cool, man. It's been awesome because like every time I read about something about YouTube is like, my mind is blown every two seconds. You know, when I read SEO, it's like, okay, I know that. I know that I've read that. I've seen that. I've tried that. Uh, so something and then new. on YouTube, it's like blowing my mind every five seconds. Every tip is like, wow, that's amazing. Like, that's so smart. I would have never thought of that. And it's because I don't know anything about it. What are some so you of have the that beginner's mindset. Yeah. Well, I think that's a huge takeaway. It's like, mm-hmm. think about what you're procrastinating professionally on, like interested wise. And then the idea of having to learn something again is really like, I'm learning Hebrew and I had to start, I don't know shit. And it's been really interesting from that kind of thing. Same with chess, even professionally, like I'm doing the podcast and I'm like, man, this is hard. And my goal is hard. And that's actually motivated me, even though, you know, I'm like, damn, there's other things that I know it could be a lot easier. Um, What have been some of the things that have blown your mind? Like just tips on uh, like keeping people's attention online. It's also interesting, like how the best YouTubers use different basically tricks they put into their video to keep you watching like information gaps and how they edit videos to keep people watching for a long time. Cause it's really hard to keep someone's attention online. And it's something that I thought could not happen. Cause I was like, you know, who's going to watch a YouTube video about SEO. And when I saw these other YouTubers and gaming and other industries, I mean, they were doing like amazing things. And some of them teach some of the things that they're doing. Like for example, they do a lot of takeaway cuts. I call it like the family guy cut which is where you refer to something and then you show that thing. Like, you know, in Family Guy, Peter sometimes is like, oh, that's like the time that I blah, blah, blah. And then they show some crazy thing happening. So YouTubers use that all the time. So YouTubers are like, oh, that's like the time I, you know, tried to take my cat for a walk. And then I'll show them on a leash, like trying to take their cat for a walk. They'll do stuff like that all the time. Um, And it keeps people's attention because they have that like, wow, that frame change and then they go back to the kind of content of the video and they sprinkle those in and i've done that a couple times and it makes a huge difference 
Interesting. So you cut away to what you're talking about, like showing an image. Yeah, you like like a reference to something, and then you do like a funny cut, and then you go back to your main thing. How, what did you? It's a change? pattern interrupt. It's called. Yeah. Interesting. Who do you watch that you've learned a lot from from YouTube channels, like in terms of any any person on there? I think the number one guy who's just like good at teaching you how to grow a channel and not do shady stuff is Tim Schmoyer from Video Creators. He's huge. He's definitely on the the end of like, hey, you want to build a community and create for videos and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with that stuff, but he's definitely not into the into the weeds as much. You know, one thing about you, did you buy his course? Yeah. So for everyone listening, whenever this gets out, Brian buys, loves to spend money. So if you ever have a course, go tweet Ryan and he'll give you money. Like, how do you get to that mentality where, like Derek Halpern, you spent three K on his course, like AppSumo and Sumo.com products. You buy a lot of our products, and like this guy, like you know, it's funny. I saw that he had a course, and I'm like, Brian, you bought it, right? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> so like, how did you get to that mentality? Well, I feel like it's just a huge time saver. I don't buy course like a lot of people buy courses for shiny object syndrome, and I've definitely been guilty of that myself. But lately, I only buy a course when I'm learning about a topic because I figure there's kind of two ways to learn from other people. You can learn by doing, but that's so much trial and error and failure. And it takes a long time. Or you can read what other people have already, you know, if they've already accomplished it, they're teaching it. But within that world of learning from other people, you can read blog posts, basically, or you watch YouTube videos, or you can take a course. And for me, the course is like a thousand times better because it has a structure that you can follow. And you don't have, there's no guesswork. You don't have to be like, what should I do next? And ideally, a course should take you step by step through whatever process that they use. And for me, that's well worth the money. How much do you think you spend a year on courses and learning? Probably like five grand, 10 grand. Depends on the year. It's funny. I was talking to someone uh, last weekend and I was like, what's the most, because we're talking about Sumo.com and how I spent a million and a half. And, and I was like, what's the most you've ever spent? And it wasn't like a dick measuring contest. It was just discussion of like, what do we spend money on? And then someone said house, someone said car. And then one person was like, oh, education. And it's interesting to me. Wow. We don't really think about the intangible spends, but they're like, yeah, you know, learning, coaching, you know, whatever it is, college. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting how like that is, you do spend a lot of money on it and the return you can get from that. I mean, so for you, you're basically like, this is the best way to shortcut learning any specific thing that you're interested in. Yeah, by a mile, by a mile. Because I mean, there's some people that have bad courses. You definitely run into those, but most courses are better than their free stuff. Not just because the content's better, but because of the structure. So, I mean, like, let's say I wanted to learn YouTube marketing the way I could have done it is watch videos in YouTube marketing, read five tips for YouTube, this, and you know, 10 ways to do that. Or I could just buy one course and it just walks you through how to do it. It's just, it's a no brainer in terms of time saved. What were you before and after taking this guy's course? Well, I don't want to give the guy's course too much credit because I took like five, you know, so there's a mix. You took five? Who was yeah. the number? Who, which one or two did you get the most out of? Uh, his was good. And there was another one called Video Overtake University. Video overtake. Uh, Where do you find this shit? Dude? I don't know what the guy's Brandon or something like that. I'm looking at it. I don't up. even know, man. I don't even know. So, I, mean, <laughs> I just like bought everyone that I could find. Did you really? Do you Google them or something? Yeah, I just use like YouTube courses and I also look at guys who are teaching and then usually they have a course if they have a YouTube channel or a blog. Okay, so you bought these two and then what were like your two major takeaways from this? The main takeaway was that if you want to do well on YouTube, you need to master audience retention. Like if you don't do that, it doesn't matter what else you do. Like if people stop watching your videos after a little while, it doesn't matter how optimized it is. It doesn't matter the, how professional they look and what you say, you got to keep the attention. It's all about attention. And once I learned that, I was like, wow, it's tough to do with SEO because it's a pretty dry topic, but it can be done. So that's what I focused on most. And Video Overtake University, he's the one that taught me about pattern interrupts and how important they are. 
for keeping people's attention and not just having like the same format the whole time, like occasionally just busting out something totally different. So, you know, there's having graphics on screen, there's having things like that. It's not as much of a pattern interrupt. You really need to just shake them up somehow. Totally different angle, something completely different. It can only be like two seconds. It doesn't matter how long it is. Just every once in a while, you need a couple pattern interrupts. And he's a big believer in that. Interesting. So you, you spend money on him. And then what about the, so for you, how do you measure the retention? Is it just like total minutes per video? Is it like how long, much they finish per video? What are you looking at to know if it's, it's going the direction you want? Well, YouTube gives you analytics on that. So there's two different ones they give you. One is like the audience retention as a percentage. So, you know, hundred percent of people start watching and then where that goes over time. And it shows you where that dips and increases. Well, that one can only dip, but the most important is if you go to relative audience retention, that's where you get the most interesting info because that is how your video's retention compares to other videos that are that long. And you're going to see a lot of peaks and valleys, but those are peaks and valleys you can learn from. So if you see that people drop off when you do something, stop doing that. And then if you see people increases when you do something, do more of that in your future videos. Interesting. So you actually do this for a lot of your videos. And then what, what have you taken away with your videos? So pattern interrupt was big. Was there certain, I know you, you see longer timeframes, but did you ever get tempted to be like, well, if I make it shorter, they'll stay longer or. So the first question, the other thing that I learned was not to go on about the same topic for a long time. Like, even if you're providing value, you got to switch topics like that. So say we had, you know, five tips for YouTube marketing, you'd be like, okay, so you got to pick a keyword. And be like, here's how you pick a keyword. Instead of going into, let's say, like five ways to find keywords, you'd want to do like one or two. Then next topic. So even when I was like diving deep into a topic and providing a lot of value and using pattern interrupts, people were leaving. And it's just because something about they're like, okay, I heard enough about keyword research. What's next? And in terms of longer videos, that's just because the other thing YouTube wants to see is that people watch your videos. Like it just accumulates a lot of watch time. So they want to see you keep people on YouTube plat- on YouTube's platform. So if your video is like 10 seconds and people watch 100% of it, they're like, so what? We got 10, 10 seconds. seconds. Then they views. click away and we only got 10 seconds of people on our site. Like it's kind of a partnership. It's a little different than how Google works. Like they want people to stay on there and watch their ads and click on ads basically. And the longer they're on there, the more likely they're going to do that. Interesting. So that's why you like longer videos. So even if they're getting half of a longer video, it's more than 100% of a short one. Exactly. And so you go back, do you go back and actually study? It's one of the things I've been thinking and doing a lot more of is going back to a lot of the things I've been doing and then studying them and, and learning how to improve from it. Do you go and study a lot of your, your videos? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I look at every video after it accumulates, you know, a lot of views and I see this relative audience attention. I look at when it peaks compared to other videos and then where it dips. And I look at right before and after that and figure out why why people, why do people leave and why do people stay? That's cool. What's your, so if your video is like 15 minutes, what's the average view duration and what's your average percent viewed? So my average percentage viewed on all my videos is 51%. Okay. And then from one of your later videos that you've just put out, like if it's how so, long is it? And then what's the average view rate? Cause I'm trying okay. to compare. So like no for my, to give you my numbers. So mm-hmm. what I learned going to an eight figure business mm-hmm. on the, yeah, my YouTube channel, it was, it's a 15 minute video. Eight minutes was the average view duration. Wow. And the av- average percent view is 53%. That's great. I also, I like that video. I watched that one. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right. So what were you saying? About okay. So last video is, um, mine's nine minutes and the average percentage is 55%. And then how long did Take people that. Sucker. How, how long did they view for? <laughs> Almost uh, four minutes, 57 seconds. So it seems like if you, you're hitting 50, 50, you're doing pretty okay. 50% is like, 
I think is great. It depends obviously how long your video is. I mean, there's videos on YouTube that are an hour, right? So if you're in like the five minute to 15 minute range, 50% is amazing. But some videos are like an hour, literally. So that obviously is different. But most videos are like maybe three to 12 minutes on YouTube, I would say. 12 is like the really on the hot and the really long end. So yeah, 50% is really good. What do you notice? Cause I know that you email out a lot of your videos to your whole mailing list. Like, do you notice that because you put it out, it gets more views, more likes, and then it gets higher, like review, like then other people see it on YouTube that aren't in your mailing list. Definitely. It's a huge, huge um, strategy for YouTube because the ultimate YouTube ranking factor is the audience retention. And then also total watch time, which is what we talked to us. Like how long does someone watch people watch your video over its lifetime? Like it just have people watch it for 10 hours, 20 hours, 50 hours. It goes up over time as more people view it. They want videos that people watch for hours over the course of its lifetime. So when you send an email to your email list with a YouTube video, it's a huge advantage over other channels because those people that are on your list usually like you. So the audience retention is going to be awesome to get the video started. And you're going to get some views. You're going to get likes and comments and stuff you mentioned. And if your video is up to snuff, when other people on YouTube and the platform watch it, It'll increase that total watch time because it's a good video and it'll rank. So using the email list has been huge because it's a win-win. Your email list gets a great piece of content and your video gets a huge boost. And I've been able to hit number one spots in YouTube within like two or three weeks for every keyword based on the creating a great video and then the email list. With your blog, you only have around 40 articles and you have a seven-figure profitable business. So what is everyone else missing? Right, Coming back to that, right? Like, what is everyone else missing that you're that you figured out? I think they're missing a couple of things. One is that there's two million blog posts that come out every day, and once you realize that, I think you can either be like, "Okay, well, mine's just going to get lost in the deluge," or step up and be like, "I need to make something that's going to be the best thing that comes out today." And the thing is, it's really hard to create something that great. Like I do it create something once a month for that reason, because it just takes a real long time and a lot of effort to create something that's amazing. That's going to stand out among the 2 million. So what everyone is missing is that they're just kind of like, I was thinking of it like traffic. They're just like another car, like that's in the gridlock or that's in that traffic jam. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. So yeah, just the, the thing is the quality over quantity approach. Like it's as time goes on and there's more content out there, quantity becomes less important and quality becomes more important. Like quantity is like not important basically right now. And it's only becoming less and quality is the ultimate thing. That's so interesting. It's like, even with YouTube and podcasts and especially with blog posts, I've noticed like how the overall bar of posts have gone up because to stand out, you have to be better. And so that's why I've noticed with YouTube and podcasts, like everyone talks about the quality of the sound or the quality of the camera amount of editing. So I do think that it's like the bar gets raised over time to actually stand out the, and then just for everyone listening, like for one blog post you put out there, you, you, how long does that take you to do? Uh, it depends. The average is probably like 25 hours. Okay. So about a week. What do you do? So that's only one week a month. What are you doing the rest of the three weeks? Uh, that's a good question. I, no, I know. That's out, what I'm asking. Hanging out. Hanging out. I, I don't know. I actually am working on other parts of the business like products or I'm doing YouTube videos and conversion re-optimization, writing newsletters for the email list. So the blog post, blog is just once a week, but then there's other stuff going on in terms of content creation that I spend the most time on. Like what? Just can you be more specific? Yeah, like creating YouTube videos, creating courses. I have a new course coming out this year. Um, newsletters, things like that. Okay. That's I, just, I just want to put in perspective because I think people do a blog or they do some work and most people aren't willing to suffer. 
And you're like putting in 40 hours, give or take for one article that most people are like putting an hour and they're like, Oh, I wonder why it's not doing well. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything. Yeah, no, I think that's a great uh, metaphor, analogy, simile, whatever the hell they call them for life. <laughs> have, have you ever put in a lot of work and then it sucked or didn't get you the result you wanted? Definitely. So I put in some that have, uh, I put in, like, I remember one that didn't do well. And I, and I know why that? I didn't, this is called conversion rate optimization techniques, the complete list. And this is like an absolute nightmare. This is probably like 80 hours. It was one of the most, the hardest I ever worked on a piece of content and it didn't do well. Okay. Um, it did okay, but it, I mean, compared to the amount of time put in, it didn't do that well. The learning was you need to have the influencers in on that topic on your side. So with that, I was trying to branch out away from SEO and get into conversion rate optimization because this was probably like two and a half years ago and conversion rate optimization was like the hot thing. Everyone was thinking I could, you know, 10x your business by changing a button color. So people were really into it. And I remember I met up with our mutual friend Pep here in Berlin, uh, like two weeks before it came out, we were going to dinner and I was like, Hey man, I had this post that I know you're going to love. And he was like, what is it? And I was like, it's called conversion rate optimization techniques to complete list. It's like a hundred, a list of a hundred techniques. So you're taking, and he, was, <laughs> and he was like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. He was like, conversion rate optimization is not a bunch of techniques. It's like a process that you follow. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh man, this is not going to go well. Because Pep's a tough cookie, but he's not alone in his sentiment that conversion experts don't look at it as a bunch of tips you can just apply. And when it came out, sure enough, none of the big influencers in the space shared it. So it didn't do that well. Interesting. It's also you're trying to compete with him, right? Because that's kind of like you're, you're taking food off his children's <laughs> plate, which I don't think would be cool with. <laughs> that's a little harsh. I yeah. mean, you're basically putting point. people on the street, Brian. <laughs> what everyone's missing is that they're putting out too much shit they're not putting out enough quality and then also promotion. It's not a great article if no one reads it. No matter how great the article is, if no one knows about it, it's not great. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. No, that, that promotion is probably the most important part. I would say promotion is important, but most people promote stuff that's still just okay. Like if you do like good article plus promotion equals failed article usually. <laughs> so it doesn't really, it still that's has cool to be formula. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it still has to be amazing. But like promotion, like crappy promotion plus amazing article is, is usually great. As long as you do some promotion. But yeah, promotion is key because like we said, 2 million posts come out every day. And just because yours stands out doesn't mean it's going to be seen, well, which is two so different things. What, what were you doing in, in the beginning? And then what are you doing now for promotion? Like, can okay, you be so, specific? Yeah, so in the beginning, I did 100% emailing influencers who already shared stuff on that same topic. So for example, let's say that you tweeted something about increasing your open rates the other day. And I created something that was also about increasing your open rates, but was different or better or interesting in some way. I would email it to you. I wouldn't ask you to share it. I would just say, Hey, I have this thing about open rates. Do you want to see it? And then if you said yes, I would send it to you. And just getting it in front of these people who are influencers and knowing that they already share stuff on that topic, if they like it, they'll share it. They already did. So it's a no-brainer that they'll do it if yours is up to snuff. And that worked really well for me when I was starting out. And so you just... And how'd you find them? Like, just did you search on Twitter? What'd you do to find that if they're promoting it? I did a couple. I searched on Google and I saw people that wrote about the topic and then I would email them. And I'd make sure, obviously, it wasn't competing. So I wasn't taking food off the table. But if it was like a similar, you know, if it was similar topic, like if it was, you know, obviously targeting the same keyword or something, I wouldn't email them. But for example, let's say I had something about SEO tools 
that and that the SEO tools are focused on keyword research. I might find someone that wrote about keyword research and be like, hey, I have these tools, this post about keyword research tools. It's related, not competing. So they're usually pretty happy to check it out at least, if not share it. Um, it also got people to like comment on my blog that were influential. Just like good things happen when you email lots of people and aren't spammy, in my experience. You did it manually, well, you didn't use like any software, right? I well, I use software to find the emails. That's the probably the use? hardest part. I use sellhack.com. Basically, you put in some a name, a Twitter profile, and their website, and it finds their email. How much There's a lot of tools like that. Yeah, I was using uh, Sales Intelligent, where you literally like give them a, a page, and they'll just give you the email address. Yeah, there's all there's all sorts of stuff like that. Do you still um, use I, this? No, I don't do that that much outreach like that anymore. Why not? Well, not I just email to the email list, and that is a lot of people that would email anyway are already on the lists. And so. then did you did you manually email them, or did you use like Mixmax or Outreach or any of these like instant sending? A hundred percent manual. Okay. So I think that's really key because I think so many times people want to like automate stuff too quickly. It's like premature automation, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. Those are good tips. I really like that. It's like, and you didn't, you know, it's funny. It's, you can't do an ask with expectation just to, you know, highlight that because I'll get emails and it's like, Hey Noah, here's a free thing. Or Hey Noah, here's this. And then it's like, well, can you do this for me? I'm like, no. Uh, So I think what you did, which is really good is like, Hey guy, I know that you're interested in this type of content, or I know you like biking, or I know you like poetry. Can I send you something about it? So you kind of ask for permission for something that they should be interested in. So I think that's a really good approach. Last question. I get eaten by a giraffe <laughs> <laughs> and you, you have to take over okdork.com. So you take over my site. Walk me through how you evaluate I'm kind of more from a marketing SEO business perspective. Like, how do you evaluate it? How do you prioritize it? How do you, what do you, how do you decide what to do next? I just want to hear your thought process on this. Yeah, I think on the, like the high, first high level before I get into the, the nitty gritty would be the positioning of the blog. So it'd be a lot harder with that if you're dead. <laughs> Cause no, it's no, really I'm dead. I, I'm, the yeah. giraffe ate me, dude. It sucks. Right, right. So you put okay dark in your will. I'm glad I get that. No, it's yours. Oh, that's yeah, even better. Yeah, it's in, your, it's in my will. <laughs> So after I inherit it, I'd look at the positioning and be like, what, you know, what's, what do I want this blog to be? And why would it be different than the thousands of other blogs that are already out there and make it different right now? It's different because you have a lot of great posts on there from contributors like the Buzzsumo guys and me and Pep, and also some personal stuff from you that we couldn't do anymore because you're dead. So I'd take a step back and be like, okay, let's just do it hundred percent. The things that worked which were those contributions from experts where they teach what they know. And then the next thing I do from a more practical standpoint would be to delete all the content that doesn't fit that or serve that. Okay. I'm actually so writing I'd, notes. This is really yeah, good. So I put like, all you got to do, what I do usually when I evaluate a site for marketing or whatever, I, I just, the first thing I do is delete all the content that's not doing, that's not serving them or serving their audience. So why do you site, do that? Uh, one, it's good for SEO. So the more pages you have on the site, the more technical problems you have, the less likely you are to rank for its competitive keywords. Oh, I'm sorry. You're saying if I have less pages? Yeah, you rank better. Explain that. So the, the theory that has worked for me is that you know, when you get links to your site, it basically sends page rank to your site. It sends like, they call it link juice. And the more pages you have, the more that gets diluted over those pages. So let's say you have 20 links pointing to your site, that juice is diluted over as many pages as you have. But if you have a small number of pages, then that page rank is going to be really concentrated on all your pages and you can rank higher. 
And that's how I was able to rank quickly with Backlinko. When I first started, like I was competing against these giants like Moz and Search Engine Land. And I had no chance against these guys. They had been around for over 10 years. And how could I compete? And one of the reasons that I kept the site, I kept the site super small. So I only had, now I have 35 posts, but for a while I had like 15 and I was already on the first page for keywords like backlinks and link building and on-page SEO and all this stuff. And it's because every link that I got counted more for me than the same link would for them. Super interesting. So, cause it's like basically instead of like a bunch of little things, you're like, let me put all my force behind a few really great things. Exactly. I mean, it's also just, it's good as a limitation to be like, okay, if I only could do like 12 posts this year, what would I do? You definitely wouldn't do like five tips for whatever filler stuff. It also forces you to step your game up. Okay. So you would, I really, dude, you're really good. hundred uh, percent from experts, which I think what you said at a high level for everyone listening is like, what, what have you done that's worked well? So just kind of identifying historical, like what is already doing well versus trying to figure out something. And then how do you double down on that? So do more of those and then take away the stuff that is not relevant to those things. Exactly. Dude, Brian Dean, I'm going to leave it at that because <laughs> I think that alone is really good. And then do you generally set goals like, Hey, I want to make this much money or, and because you know, one of the things that I've learned from Facebook days with Zuckerberg was like one goal and, and that's all we focus on. And that's kind of how I've been doing. Like, do you do stuff like that? Or how do you think about that? Yeah. I usually have three goals for the year. It's probably not good. I should probably have one, but uh, I do three goals for the year. Now I'm doing this thing called 90 day year where you do all your, go- your yearly goals in 90 days, which is pretty cool actually. It's a bit, it's a little intense, but it's cool. You want to explain it? Yeah. It's a course actually by this guy, um, Todd Herman. And the, the theory is just, or the goal is just, you, you set your yearly goals and you just do them in 90 days instead of over the course of the year. So it's pretty intense, but it's, I'm, I'm enjoying it. The cool thing is that with, with a yearly goal, you can be in August, you can technically start in August really start working on it and sometimes you can hit it. So it's, I think the year is is a little too long for goal setting. The 90 days is perfect because it's like, you can't really procrastinate, but it's also not like panicking, trying to do these crazy goals in 30 days, but it's cool, man. Yeah. So that's how I've been doing the 90 day year. And I think I'm going to do that from now on. So you just pick a goal, but only do it for 90 days. So you pick your, like you do yearly goals, just like you normally would. So like last year with Absum, uh, me, you wanted to hit, you know, X amount per month. Okay. And what you do is you just do that 90 days instead of the year. So you pick a goal for that short. Yeah. So the goal, but the goal should be the same one you'd have if it was a year. Hmm. So it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to actually hit the goal, but you should do the things you'll need to do. So like in Sumi's case, maybe you need to hire like four people. You would just do it in 90 days instead of over the course of the year. Or if you need to have like, you know, a thousand sales calls, you could have them in the 90 days instead of the year. Like how's it change your business at all? Well, every, you just have to say no to more stuff. Cause you're like, I only have 90 days to do all this stuff. So it gives you a good out to say no to things you don't want to do too, which I have trouble with. That's something I struggle with. So someone's like, Hey, do you want to have lunch? I'm like, Hey, I'm doing this 90 day year thing. I really have to, you know, get all these goals in 90 days. So you can say no to all the other stuff. And then what are your yeah. th- three major goals for the year? So one is to hit a hundred thousand views a month on YouTube. That's the uh, number one. That's what I'm working on now. The other is to get 533 email subscribers a day. So 133 or 533? A day? What do you got now? 350. Holy shit. All right. So you want to get to 533. You want to get to 100,000 views a month. And what's the third one? Is to launch a new online course. What's the new course going to be? YouTube marketing. Okay. To end, what is one challenge related to SEO and marketing that everyone can, that's listening can do today? 
I would go to your Google Analytics and I would look at the pages that don't bring in any traffic from organic or social anywhere and just delete them. It's a good exercise just to be like, this isn't for me, this isn't serving anyone and let's just get rid of it. All right. So everyone listening, the challenge for you today is to go to Google Analytics and let's walk them through how to do it, but find those pages. You click on go to google.com slash analytics, yep. click on your website. Is it through site content behavior? Uh, yep. So you're going to click on behavior, site content, all pages. So Google Analytics, behavior, site content, all pages, sort it by uh, page views. Yep. You can do it by page views. That works. Over the last, let's say you can do more than 30 days because I mean, if you get one visitor every 30 days, I guess that that's something. So you can do it to like, you can set the date for 60 days. So you set 60 day dates on the top, right? Click 60 days. So, you know, click, you guys can figure that shit out. If you can't, yeah. then you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> so don't, don't start deleting pages unless you know you can do this right. All right. So six, click 60, choose 60 days on the top, right? Page views. You're going to sort from just the, sort the opposite. Like, you know, it automatically sorts by the most, just sort by the, the, opposite. the least. And then just and then you're going to get some funky pages that are like weird. Yeah, ones I have a lot of funky matter. pages there. Yeah. You'll find that. But then as you go down, you'll find some that are usually zero or one and also a real page on your site. So what I would do here personally, Brian is hire you to do this. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> is that in the top left, it says underneath the pages, it has export. So I'd export it as a CSV or export it to Excel. Uh, and then be able to do or Google Sheets, whatever the hell you want to do it in. And then you can clean those pages out a lot easier and then find your pages. That's actually what I'm doing right now. This is a really good idea. Cool. Brian Dean, everyone. Uh, Brian, where should we follow you on YouTube? Uh, my channel is Backlinko. So just head over to YouTube, type in Backlinko, and you'll find me. Dude, you're the man. I love you. Ditto. Well, that's a wrap, y'all. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. Number one, if you enjoy the show, just go text some friend that you love them, anyone that you haven't talked to in a while. Number two, if you've got like 15 seconds, please go leave me a review that you like the show. It makes my day and that's all I ask for. Number three, give me feedback. I always love making the show better for you and for myself. And I love hearing from you. You can tweet me at Noah Kagan, N-O-A-H-K-A-G-A-N. Have a delightful day. What's your favorite candy bar? 